Okay, it's time to commit. 2024 is the year for prioritizing yourself. Begin your new smile journey with Byte, and you could start seeing results in just two to three weeks. Just order your at-home impression kit today for only $14.95 at Byte.com. Byte clear liners are doctor-directed and delivered to your door. Treatment costs thousands less than braces, plus they offer financing options, accept eligible insurance, and you could pay with your HSA, FSA. Get 80% off your impression kit when you use code WONDERY at Byte.com. That's B-Y-T-E dot Start your confidence journey today with Byte. Ladies and gentlemen, I'm putting a quick little addendum onto the front of this podcast here. It's, it's a bit of a coffee-infused, meandering rant, and I felt during the middle of it that there was some negativity going on, although to me it wasn't negative. It was just passion, inspired by my intellectual curiosity regarding the Steelers and the NFL situation as a whole. I am here to tell you there is light at the end of the tunnel at the end of the podcast, because The Steelers are in a crappy position now, but I do see some legitimate ways out of it. There are two ways out of it. One of them is attractive. It's with a kind of a home run offseason this next year, and they have a lot more in place than we'd like to admit sometimes. The other way is less attractive and longer and more arduous, and that's, you know, failing this offseason and everybody aging out and the team sort of falling apart, but then getting a top pick and getting a sweet quarterback. You know, so there are ways out of this. Not totally in the doldrums. I'm going to talk about Mason Rudolph and how interesting that situation is, particularly when you compare the leash he's been given versus first-round quarterbacks like Kenny or Daniel Jones or different people like that. You know, even though Mason had a very similar uh, set of circumstances, I talk about how I think that leash was actually quite appropriate. But it'll be interesting to see him play. Talk a little bit about. Casey and his suspension in that situation. And yeah, a lot of coffee and uh, yeah, a lot of info. Enjoy. What's going on, ladies and gentlemen? Welcome to this episode of the Steelers Outpost Podcast, a proud member of Sports Drink Network. This is Nick coming to you from the Houston Outpost with the most incredible Christmas present I could ever give you. And the present is Mason Rudolph. He's starting. The Steelmen have announced it. They have decided to stop doubling, tripling, quadrupling, quintupling, et cetera, et cetera, down on terrible decisions. And they realize, wait, I I think Mitch Trubisky might be bad. Mitch Trubisky, is he bad? No, he's the second overall draft pick. No, he's bad. Yeah, it only took them about 70 games of horrific play for them to realize this guy's even worse than the other reindeer-based guy who we already knew was bad. But we gave no leash, so they're putting him in. Great, awesome. The Steelman got three games left. It's kind of an interesting storyline. It's kind of the big one that we'll talk about today here on the episode. DeMonte Casey suspended for the rest of the year in probably the least surprising piece of NFL news that you can hear. You know, Gardner, Minshew, hopefully future Steelers quarterback. 
got him laid out, got a Pittman laid out in the middle of the field. Casey really couldn't do much to, to avoid the hit. Even the announcers, everybody on the earth agrees. That's one of those classic occasions where it's physically impossible for the defender to, to lay a clean hit in the NFL's eyes because the refs have clearly been trained. I don't think it's just incompetence. I think it's clearly in a directive from the NFL. They've been trained to say, hey, if there is a hard hit, it's a flag. There have been so many perfect non-helmet-to-helmet, perfect form, shoulder-to-chest hits that they flag. And because they just want to have this deterrent, they don't want any risk for big hits. They know they unfortunately have conditioned their audience and the national audience to see a big hit and cringe. Even the former big hitters, like Ryan Clark, cringe when they see big hits. I cringe when we see big hits. Sometimes I like it, though. I like it a lot. I don't like the hits where it's like a helmet-to-helmet or you know, a neck, like an actual violent thing or an unnecessary crackback. Completely agree with getting those out of the game. But everybody's been conditioned to see, hey, it's a big hit. Don't let that happen because the NFL doesn't want to leave any room for error. And they basically want to pull a Pirates of the Caribbean when you see in one of those opening scenes that they got a bunch of skeletons hanging there on the coast. It's a deterrent for future Pirates. Did it work? No, because it's physically impossible to keep Pirates out of the ocean at that time. Similarly, it is impossible to prevent big hits in this NFL. Even Tom Brady chimed in. I believe that, that his response was uh, that his um, comment was regarding the KZ suspension, but he is on this crusade to inform people that, A, the NFL is asking defenders to do physically impossible acts when receivers come in at you and you're aiming for his chest, and then at the last second the guy ducks. And then, B, this is promoting bad quarterback play. This is promoting bad coaching because these quarterbacks can throw over the middle of the field with impunity. There is no risk, but for 90% of the history of football, if you wanted to throw the ball over the middle, you had to be careful because your receiver could get knocked out of the game. He also might hate you. That could cause some problems later. So if you wanted to throw over the middle, you had to be extremely accurate. You had to throw it low, low enough for the guy to, to be able to catch it, but be able to protect himself at the same time. Right? And you had to be accurate, and you had to be judicious with it. You can't do it all the time because eventually the defense is going to catch on, and they're going to murder your player. Well, you don't have to do that anymore. Yada, yada, KZ suspended. I don't really think it's much of a talking point except for the fact that I think that now the further we go into this, the more you realize, yeah, the NFL is telling these guys. You have to call it. And why? Well, because the viewership just keeps going up. The ratings just keep going up for the NFL. Despite all the complaining about the refs, I think the NFL realizes it doesn't matter. They still watch. They still tune in and watch. So let's just cover our ass and try and keep all the receivers and quarterbacks, see how well that worked this year, in the games so that we can have you know, the exciting plays, yada, 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 yada. Really, the, the games that lose viewership are when the teams suck. So that's a little bit of the irony, irony of them basically already deciding to add a European division when we can't even get 15 good teams and they want to do four more teams to further dilute the talent pool and make crappier games. But that's neither here nor there. That's all bad news. Let's get to the good news. Mason Rudolph, the savior, he's coming. Okay. I just think that this is an interesting talking point from like a a perspective angle. So I think the Steelers right now Let's face it. The last three games are pointless. There's not, 
like a, hey, let's discover what we have with XYZ player. We already know. Because by the way, we know what we have in Mason Rudolph. He should be like a Charlie Batch, Landry Jones, decent backup quarterback who can go in a game, not throw 14 interceptions, maybe throw a couple touchdowns and kind of give you a chance of winning. That's what a real backup is. Like, sure, you can luck into a Garner Minshew, who I think is more like, hey, that's, that's a starter. That's like someone you're not excited. Like, the guy's better than Jimmy Garoppolo. Like, if, if he, he's a starter that's sort of team-dependent, right? Well, Mason's an okay backup, right? Mitch Trubisky is probably truly, like, the unplayable variety because your backup can't go in and just constantly turn the ball over. Your backup can go in and, and suck, but they can't just give the ball to the other team constantly and suck. So I think there's a chance that Mitch's run is, well, I guess I'd say I've seen a lot of people say there's a chance his, his run could be coming to an end. But these first-round draft pick guys, let alone the top 10 draft pick guys, they have a 1,000 billion lives. Like, people just keep signing them. So we'll see. But And then Kenny is kind of the interesting case. Of course, his growth has been completely stunted by – the offensive coordinator and the head coach and just the team in general. But then again, he also, his growth has been stunted. Well, his growth has been expected in the fact that there's just not a ton there to begin with. So even regardless of the coordinator and the coach, he'll see a receiver wide open across the middle of the field and he'll throw it to him and it'll just go over his head. He'll see a screen pass, he'll throw it to him and it'll just go to the right. Or he'll see a wide open receiver running a slant on the right side and he just will turn in the other direction and throw it somewhere else. He'll see a rusher coming up the middle, and he'll spin right into another one. These are all self-inflicted wounds, right? This is Kenny. So when he's – of course, he's going to play better if you get a better offensive coordinator. We'll see what that ceiling is. Clearly, it doesn't seem to be a super high ceiling, particularly when you compare to other players, even a Will Levis. There's just no talent around there. Don't tell me Derrick Henry, who got – what did he get, like 20 yards and 20 carries the other night? Like Derrick Henry was awesome – yeah, it's a famous name. DeAndre Hopkins was awesome. That's a famous name. These aren't like household names now, and still Will Levis shows tons of flashes. Sam Howell gets benched the other day, but the guy's thrown for tons of yards and tons of touchdowns And uh, on Washington, the most dysfunctional team ever. So this is all to say it's just interesting to look at how draft stock and how Mike Tomlin and the Steelers' opinions, how much that influences who plays in these games. Because... There was a point halfway through the season when we were looking at Kenny's season and be like, this is quite bad. There's like four touchdown passes here. I don't care what excuse you have, like four touchdown passes. That's like impossible to do, especially with the opportunities that we see are missed. And what's funny is his resume became long enough where you could compare it to Mason Rudolph's. He said, man, Mason Rudolph, not only are the numbers are comparable, Masons are better, but the eye test was better for Mason Rudolph too. And once again, let me bookmark this by saying there's, there's no point in time where I'm saying Mason Rudolph is good. I'm just saying that comparison emerged after we got a large enough sample size from Kenny Pickett where we realized, ah, oh, crap, we have some very applicable comparisons to another guy who got ran out of town by the fan base, the national media, and the head coach. Mike Tomlin benched Mason Rudolph for much less for Duck Hodges. And Kenny has this crazy long rope because he's a first-round pick. And that's how, ten, how, how 
coaches work and that's how teams work. And furthermore, if you want to talk about the offensive coordinator, where I know there's a habit in this fan base of thinking that the offensive coordinator actually needs to physically take the ball out of the quarterback's hands and, and go hand it to the, to the receiver. But, dude, Rudolph had Feetner, right, in that 2019 year. He didn't have nearly the supporting cast. The offensive line was much worse. The running backs were worse. The receivers were worse. Like, it's, it's a pretty spot-on comparison to say, hey, Rudolph had to operate within this terrible Steelers era as well. You know, a declining – every play on the Steelers was declining at that point. So, so now you do get to see him in, in the games. And what does that do for you? It doesn't do anything to me personally. I'll just be curious to see if he can do one particular thing or I guess two particular things better than Kenny and, and Mitch in terms of, A, not just missing the broad side of the barn on throws down the middle particularly, and then, B, pulling the trigger more often on some of these open guys and reading the field a little bit more accurately. And so maybe I'll, I'll, I'll walk back the, hey, this doesn't do anything for us kind of statement, right, and say it could build some morale, which I think the Steelers are in desperate need of right now. You know, this George Pickens thing is coming to a head, but the Steelers could use some positive energy at, at a certain point, although I don't know, man. I think you kind of need them to have that losing season this year. You really do. Like, it is truly we need to lose this battle to win the war because the Steelers keep getting enabled by the fact that they are they hover around 500. And if by around, I mean over. They haven't had that losing season. And the, the respect for the organization that the organization has earned, the respect for Mike Tomlin, which he has earned, has given them a very long leash in the national public. And these embarrassing losses, I do think, are helping spur action inside the building as a result of some, not just external pressure, you know, the, the country kind of realizing, like, oh, did the Steelers, does the Steelers suck? Like, people are too respectful to, to completely go there at this point. But these losses, I do think, will help. And so that's kind of a precious balance. Do we want Mason to to give some morale to the team. Like, yeah, maybe the best, the best option is you put, up a, you put up some points and some losses, and then the team kind of gets some confidence again, and everyone's not trying to get traded in the offseason. But regardless, I guess let's see. Let's say, what, are we, what do we have to look forward to going forward? Because it's the darkest time we can remember as Steelers fans because even when the team hasn't looked good over the past five years, it really has just been a consequence of the aging out of both Ben Roethlisberger, your Hall of Fame quarterback, and the whole Killer Bees team, which is not just Ben and, and Bell and Brown and Bryant and all those guys. It's that entire offensive line, all the running backs who came after Le'Veon. Yeah, you lost a lot of people you had to rebuild. And so at any point during those times when they had kind of unusually good records, never, never beating really good teams in the process, right? Like they could beat a Ravens or a Bengals. I don't think they beat the Bengals very much recently with Joe Burrow. But, um, you know, they would look bad. And Steelers fans know the difference there. But it wasn't that big of a deal because you knew they were transitioning. And then you have this hope. You get this quarterback, yada, yada. Okay, well, who else pointed this out? I think Neil Coulong pointed this out on Twitter. They, he coined this term last year. I think it was, was it quiet tanking or sexy tanking? Something like that. Where the Steelers, you know, at the end of Ben's career, realized we have this bloated quarterback number uh, with a salary and a guy who 
can't perform up to that salary to mask all the ills of the rest of the roster like he was able to do in his prime, like any of these star guys are able to do in their prime. But we're going to kind of ride this out because we have this aging offensive line, yada, yada. Made a couple picks that really didn't turn out well. Kendrick Green, uh, they picked up Turner. That didn't work out. And so they were kind of riding it out. But then they draft the quarterback, Kenny, and they start re-signing people. They start giving guys extensions. Minka, you know, TJ, Highsmith. And they admit, hey, we're in the window. They sign a guy, a 48-year-old guy, to play corner. Like, they think we are in the window. And they start drafting aggressively on offense. And so, as we know, the NFL windows are three or four years long, and then they're gone, basically. So, that's what's so frustrating about this year. It's like, where the hell do we go from here? We know it's not as simple as, hey, slide in a a halfway decent coordinator, and the team's going to get really good, and Kennedy's going to be great. Now, I actually do think there's a sort of a, a decent chance that Kenny, I don't think Kenny's career is over. I don't think Kenny's nearly as bad as Mitch or, or anything like that. And if they do get a decent offensive coordinator to make the right moves on offense, I, I could see his career escalating. However, the problem is you've kind of seen already that, all right, this guy isn't going to be a star. So it, you're kind of banking on the fact that, hey, if everything goes well, if everything goes great, do we ha- are we Andy Dalton now? Are we Andy Dalton and Joe Flacco playing against Ben Roethlisberger for 15 years? Where it's like, this guy's good enough to start, but you're, you want to do battle with Joe Burrow, who also will have good players around him and a good coordinator? Like, that's just where there's some of the, you know, trepidation there. Um, but, you know, hey, you know, Kenny's just a cooler guy, better leader than, than maybe those other two dudes. So who knows what that could, that could yield. But regardless... As a Steelers fan, you know that there's not a quick fix. You also know that you're not getting a star quarterback. Like, you're just not in range for the draft. It is a very low chance. Oh, you know, you get Tom Brady or Brock Purdy or Dak. All these guys were drafted late. Like, yeah, for sure. But look at the percentage of quarterbacks who were drafted at those positions who aren't great. And let me tell you, it's a far, far higher percentage than those who were drafted in the top 10 of the NFL draft. It's like, oh, there's quarterbacks robust in the top 10. Like, yeah, but the rate is not nearly as bad as it is later. Like, you can get quarterbacks later, but the odds are really low. And then you want to think about bringing Kirk Cousins or someone else in in free agency. That, that's a – you're going to have to pay the guy a lot of money. He's the master of free agency. He'll have other places to go to. He probably will want to stay in Minnesota, all things considered. So you really just don't have a ton of options. I do hope – I joke about Gardner Minshew, but I also don't. I think Gardner Minshew, this is a great comparison with Mason Rudolph and Kenny and all these guys. Gardner Minshew has done nothing but play really well since he started in the league with the Jaguars, a team that had absolutely no talent. They sucked. And the guy threw like, what, like 20 touchdowns and 10 picks his first year. Like his numbers are phenomenal. You, You look at the eye test, you're like, man, I know the guy's not a superstar. He's not very big. He doesn't have like a super strong arm. He's not really fast, but he's very accurate, aggressive downfield thrower. And he can move in the pocket. And he has this reputation because he's so cool. He's got mullet and jorts and stuff. He has this reputation. um, I feel like people think he's careless with the ball when he clearly is not like Daniel Jones, same thing. You know, he's careless with the ball. Jameis, those guys throw picks. You know, I think that Gardner Minshew might be the next Ryan Fitzmagic in terms of, hey, if you actually give these guys a pretty good team instead of 
making them bridge quarterbacks. Like the Colts, I know they're, they're coached well, but there's not a lot to work with on offense there. Like if you gave them an actual good team, I'm just curious to see how they would do because by all, all metrics, all the numbers, all the stats, and by the eye test, the guy can play quarterback and he can play well, and he's shown so much more than guys like Kenny or Mac Jones or Zach Wilson or Daniel Jones or any of these guys have shown at any point in their careers, but they're first-round picks, so they keep getting chances. And that's where you go back to the Mason Rudolph thing. You saw how short the leash was on him. I almost think that the Mason Rudolph leash was appropriately short. It became abundantly apparent with Mason that, sure, he's going to get better, but the ceiling is so low because of two major factors. One, he is very lumbering and slow. He doesn't have the ability to get in and out of the pocket. And I know people hear that and they might say, well, what about Tom Brady? He de- Tom Brady has some nice quick feet in this crazy coordination. Mason Rudolph, as a result of his lumbering slowness, freaks the hell out when the pocket closes in, closes in on him and he throws bad interceptions or bad incompletions because the conditions have to be absolutely perfect for Mason to make a throw, and that's just never going to change. And then the second thing, he has a noodle arm. And we spent years talking about this on the podcast, and a noodle arm doesn't mean you can only throw it 30 yards. Like, anyone can throw it 50 yards. I could walk out right now and throw the ball 50 yards. A lot of people can, but he can't throw the ball fast. And he got Juju injured. He got Deontay Johnson injured. He got all kinds of people injured because when they run a comeback or when they run an inside curl and he throws the ball, as hard as he can, it takes a long time to get to the guy. So you need guys to be really open. And it just became apparent. All right, Mason Rudolph, this isn't going to work, but maybe. And then he got bashed in the head with his own helmet. All right? It, you know the rule. We've said on the podcast for years. If you are playing quarterback for my team, and then you get bashed in the head with your own helmet, you can't be the quarterback anymore. And here we are. He's the quarterback again, and we want him to be the quarterback. This is how freaking dark it has gotten for the Steelman. Guy still has a lump in his head. And one way, you, you do have to respect him, that he didn't die from getting bashed in the head with his own helmet by Miles Garrett, the strongest man in the world. Obviously not the best defensive player. TJ Watt would just kill him. He would punch him right in the face, and he would explode. Everybody knows that. But regardless, his leash, Mason Rudolph, was short. And... You know, the Kenny thing, it is tricky. Like, he got thrown in with this horrible, horrible team. Uh, This horrible department of offense, as I would call it. But there also have been many signs of, whew, do you watch the other quarterbacks? Like, they're kind of, there's a lot of talent popping up, and there's just so many things that he's never going to be able to do. And so you are just really hoping that everything goes well. And if you want to compare him to, like, you know, Joe Burrow, like, he'd be a slick player. It's like, man, Joe Burrow's team sucked when he got there. And he still made it happen. So there's, there's a little bit of that, which is a little bit risky, right? So I think that Kenny will be the quarterback next year. I hope they bring in someone like Garner to truly compete. And maybe Kenny does sit behind him. Because I will say, Kenny, Kenny's better than, like, physically talented than Mason Rudolph. But Kenny's kind of broken right now. And so when Kenny throws the ball on a curl route, if he can put his whole weight into it, it will go fast. It will get to the receiver. But that is the problem, though. He needs to get his whole weight into that throw. Otherwise, it's not getting there fast. Whereas Ben, Will Levis, C.J. Stroud, any of these guys, 
okay, I can't take a full step in the pocket, but I need to hit that curl. I'll just kind of shorten my step and just zipping in there. That's what you need. So that's kind of what I mean by sort of that, uh, that ceiling or not. But such an easy guy to root for. So we'll see what happens. It'll be kind of interesting to see Mason play and see if the Steelers are able to get a little bit more out of him. I think we all know the answer is no. Like, if you stuck Mahomes in the offense, I got news for you guys. The Steelers will be the number one seed in the playoffs. Or, you know, I might be exaggerating there. I might not be. I might not. Truly. Like, that's how important the quarterback position is. But the, guy, the Steelers will be doing significantly better if Josh or Lamar or Stroud or any, like, really good quarterback played on the team. But I also think they'd be doing a lot better if Tua or Brock Purdy played for them. Because, once again, we have evidence to support this. It's not just that the play calls suck. It's that the quarterbacks are not making routine, simple reads and throws that are all over the film in a huge sample size. So you can't keep saying, like, what do you expect from them? I'm like, well, I expect for him to throw to the guy right in front of him that he's looking at, right? So that, you know, from that standpoint, yes, if you throw in a better quarterback to the Steelers' offense, you will see better results, and you might think it it might be like a Justin Herbert situation in L.A., where it's like, this guy's clearly really good, and the numbers are there, but something's up with this team where they're not winning games. Like That's what we would say about the Steelers if they had Brock Purdy in there. But we wouldn't say this, they, they you know can't throw 10 touchdowns in one season, but putting Mason Rudolph in is not like putting Brock Purdy in. Putting Mason Rudolph in is not like putting Tua. It's not like putting Gardner Minshew or Jacoby Brissett even. Like, Mason Rudolph's not great. So this sort of reminds me of all the quarterbacks in San Francisco pre-Jimmy Garoppolo, and that, or actually pre-Brock Purdy, that led to Jimmy Garoppolo. So the, the Niners, what, they were like 2-10 and 10 or something before Jimmy got there, and they had to play whenever they were without Jimmy, they would lose because they were playing with C.J. Beathard and Nick Mullins. And then Jimmy would come back in and they would win, and, which is funny because, you know, they had like, okay, they're the best offensive line, best defensive line, best linebackers, best, you know, skilled players, yada, yada, yada. And we would say, well, Clearly, it's Jimmy. Guy's handsome as hell. He's winning the games. And look, whenever any other quarterback plays for them, they suck. And when he plays, they're good. And I would always argue, like, but yeah, but Nick Mullins and C.J. Beathard are really bad. Like, can we see him with Baker Mayfield or just even some average quarterback? And then they quickly saw Brock Purdy got in. It was just night and day. Night and day difference. Trey Lance plays. Well, the guy can't hit the broad side of the barn, so he's not good. So it wasn't as much Jimmy as much as it was uh, these other guys were really bad. So that's sort of what I mean with Mason Rudolph. When, if he, it, I assume it's going to look very similar to, to Mitch and Kenny. I guess the door is open for Kenny to play. I hope that he does not. Like, just Please just get a little bit more healthy. If he can be back the next week, awesome. Obviously you want Kenny out there as many times as he possibly can. But just a sort of interesting thought experiment to see if he can hit a few more passes down the field, uh, but overall, you know, you're not rolling the Ferrari out there. So we will see what happens. Sky is sort of falling in Pittsburgh, but I think I'm going to add an addendum to the front of this podcast because I, they're sort of becoming negative rambles when I don't, I don't feel overly negative about the Steelers. I just feel sort of like factually, ah, oh, crap, they really botched this window and they're in trouble, but I 
don't think it's impossible for them to get out of this, given the potential great leadership of Omar Khan and Eric Weidel, who their sample size isn't big enough, but judging from their first draft, well, that was a home run. And it wasn't just the players they selected. It was how they moved around to get them, and they buckled Steelers' traditions and trends, right? And uh, additionally, they the brain trust made – Mike Tomlin fire Matt Canada in the middle of the season, something he clearly did not want to do based on his press conference afterwards. And that's something the Steelers haven't done since 1941. So I see a willingness to evolve from the Steelers. And I do think that they actually have quite a, I think it's inarguable that they have quite a bit of talent on the roster. I see the opinion put forward on Twitter by really smart football guys that they're not very talented. I'll say this. They're not a good team, but they clearly have, a very solid collection of talent. I'm not saying it's Dallas or the Niners or anything, but they have a lot to start with. If you just get a, a good starting center or a good starting tackle, let alone both of them, you already have more than most people on the offensive line. You got two really good running backs. Deontay Johnson is annoying, blah, blah, blah. But like the thing with Pickens is, yeah, he's being a douche right now. But it's all, it's all over the film. Like if you have a halfway decent passing attack, this guy is a superstar receiver. So all of a sudden, if you get, you know, if Kenny comes along next year and he's hitting George Pickens, it's like, oh, now we, it's almost like trading for a star receiver. It's like, no, he's there. He's dormant. But you have that. Most teams don't have that. In addition to the fact of having a really solid offensive line, when you think of Daniels or Daniel, James Daniel, Siamalu, and Broderick Jones from how he's looked initially, you have the best edge rushing tandem in the league. You better hurry up. You better hurry up, guys. You're the best free safety in the league. It would be great to play him at free safety instead of Troy Paul mollowing him, where it's like, all right, we're just not going to – well, I mean, they got screwed with their linebackers all getting injured this year, but you saw Troy had to play in the box more, and he got injured to death till his career ended. And Right now, Minka has 14 broken bones. It's absurd. He's got lower, mid, and upper body injuries. He's just <laughs> – and just keeps getting back out there. But you got him – you potentially got a star corner. That is so much more than most teams have to work with, let alone if the inside linebackers heal up. They got a lot to work with. So hopefully with this new brain trust, hopefully with the new pressure placed on the Steelers because of these losses and because of how ugly they are, the Steelers can turn the corner a little bit. I don't think that they're completely doomed. I look at it like this. There's about a 50-50 shot that they're sort of able to turn this around if they draft the way they did last year, if they are decisive with the offensive coordinator and the quarterback situation, and they could be a really solid team. Then there's another chance that they once again botch those things, draft, and which they've botched a lot recently before this year, and offensive coordinator, which we know that story. And TJ ages out, Cam retires, Minka ages out, yada, yada, yada. See them all, like, and the... Pickens is gone. You lose a lot of the talent, blah, blah, blah. And you have to do like a real rebuild from the ground up. But then you might be able to draft a top five quarterback. That might be in five years or whatever. So I do think it's sort of 50-50 on that. I don't think that they're completely doomed going forward. This offseason is going to be fascinating. I sort of have a feeling that it's going to be one of the more dramatic offseasons we've seen in a long time in Pittsburgh. I'm just basing that off of some of the evidence that Weidel and Khan have given so far this season and just the vibes are the vibes are off the energy's off the vibes are off I think they know it so there's some hope 
I'll be looking forward to seeing uh, if Mason can do something, and then hopefully looking forward to seeing Kenny get back for the final two games. Hit me up on Twitter at Steelers Outpost, SteelersOutpost at gmail.com. Until next week, go Steelers. Look around. You can find cars like these on Auto Trader, like that car riding your tail. Or if you're tailgating right now, all those cars doubling as kitchens and living rooms are on Auto Trader too. Are you working out and listening to this ad at the same time? Well, multitasking pro, cars like the ones in the gym parking lot are for sale on Auto Trader. New cars, used cars, electric cars, maybe even flying cars. Okay, no flying cars, but as soon as they get invented, they'll be on Auto Trader. Just you wait. Auto Trader.